0: What do cities say about innovation? Hi, this is David Allen Greer for How We Manage Stuff. I've given our staff a break this week, but I'm here to explore that question, the relation of urban life to innovation, in the city where we have currently located our podcast. And that city is, of course, Seattle, Washington. Most of you probably think of Seattle as a big tech city, and indeed it is. Microsoft is across the lake in Redmond. Amazon is located at the south end of Lake Union, which is downtown near our office. And well, there's of course the University of Washington, which is near where I am standing right now at this moment. The University of Washington is one of the largest research universities in the United States. At times it claims it is indeed the largest. And it also provides the largest number of faculty to higher education. Now, those kinds of facts don't really capture the basic model that we're discussing in our series of how we manage stuff. Remember, we're considering four basic points. You need a vision. You need to iterate and refine that vision. You need to expand that vision through social interaction, and you need to have in your process a a way to support minority action, action by small groups. This is work that Tamara did while she was studying DARPA. Right now, I'm standing, well, standing as we do in podcasts, at the corner of University Way and 45th Street Northeast. Now, this is more or less the center of the university district in Seattle. And if you look up and down University Way, it doesn't really appear to be all that innovative. It's like almost any other big college town. Instead of being at Seattle, we might be, well, at Liberty in Maine, in Ann Arbor. Or at Bancroft and Telegraph in Berkeley. Or even standing on Nassau Street in Princeton, but that's a little more upscale. In reality, this place looks just a little tired or even seedy. If you go up and down the street, you see cheap restaurants, some clothes, you know, the kind of clothes that people who would like to think they're college students wear. There are some old remnants of the hippie movement and of the 60s. There's a smoke shop. There's a woman down there who reads tarot cards as you get south of 43rd. There are a couple of counterculture things and a fair number of homeless kids on the street. If you turn around just for a moment, you see a nice old 1920s building. It was fairly expensive in its time. But upstairs, there is an alternative medicine college. I knew someone who went there once. She asked me to write a recommendation for her. My friend said, don't do it, it's just crazy. I said she'd been a good student and deserved at least that notice. I sent it, she went. She said that it was harder than conventional college because alternative medicine requires astrology and astrology requires trigonometry, which had not been part of her preparation and was not her vision of what alternative medicine actually was. Now, in an earlier episode, we talked about how vision, the key part of our discussions at this series, are related to relaxing the social structure. We get rid of things that are restricting us because we deploy new technology or we restructure society or an organization. You can learn something about that by looking at Seattle. Seattle's vision of itself through most of its history has been one that is connected to the rest of the country, that it is like Chicago or Minneapolis or New York. Indeed, there were people who used the phrase, a New York by and by, when the city was being built. At the same time, it's far away. There is a distance from the rest of the country, a freedom, a relaxation of constraints. And it has been balancing those connections and those constraints through most of its history. It started primarily as a resource center, it provided lumber to the rest of the country. Then there was some mining, it became a transportation hub, primarily for Alaskan Pacific. And step by step, it moved into manufacturing and in the 90s, high tech. Now, just come with me a moment. We're gonna walk up here and go into the alley. Seattle shares with Washington DC a network of alleys that are quite accessible and quite useful. It's probably about the only thing they share actually. Okay, on the back of this building, you see there, there is the anarchist graffiti. It's pretty fresh. It's on top of paint that someone had used to try and paint out earlier graffiti, and you can say well that's common at colleges. But that's a reminder that Seattle has been a strong labor city and the nature of its labor organizations have swung back and forth as the city has tried to iterate, to try to find the right way that workers fit into the society and fit into business. In addition to having anarchists, it has also had a very traditional labor movement The teamster leader dave beck had a house just a few blocks north of here it had the radical wobblies which shut down the city in 1919 and it also had the black box the protesters who shut down the city again in 1999 just before the turn of the century when the world trade organization held its meetings in downtown seattle this last group was something like the anarchists except they were highly organized, something anarchists rarely are, and they carried cell phones to coordinate their activities to disrupt the meetings. In this age, you not only see remnants of those things, you have the libertarian movement that often comes with technology, the sense of leave us alone, we know what's best to do to improve the economy. To these organizations, we might add one more, the people who are trying to get back in touch with nature and live a simpler life at least on weekends. Taken together, these groups, groups which really belong deeply to the city of Seattle, illustrate the nature of an innovative organization. We see that the city has a loosening of constraints that allows the different groups to flourish, that there are iterations, there's been swings back and forth as one group or another has taken charge. These groups have transmitted their ideas through social interactions. Only rarely do they use written or academic communication. The last issue, the last element, is a little harder to see. The minority, the small groups that make a difference. But in fact, in much of this work, in much of the dynamic of workers in this city, small groups have made a difference and have pulled others to their ideas. So this will be the end of our podcast. It's time for me to get back to the houseboat and prepare our next episode. And as I do it, remember, the question that we're trying to address is what is an innovative organization? An organization that makes the best use of people, that advances new ideas, that can respond to markets and yet keep its focus. This is David Allen Greer for How We Manage Stuff. Take care.